Emma from the Pineapple Lounge. Uh, we're back with another episode. Um, actually, another episode from a member of our Hack Squad. Today, I am talking to Caitlin, who is someone that we met on a project and just has the most amazing story of parenting and just really inspiring points of view and approach to how she is raising her son Jackson. They live in Austin in Texas and she is a real great example of what we at the Pineapple Lounge think represents kind of the fringe or the cutting edge of what is coming in parenting. So those tide changes that we're seeing, some of the shifts, some of the changing in values that we're going to start to see more of over the next few years. Caitlin does a brilliant job of illuminating what some of those might be. And if she's right and we're right, uh, we're pretty excited um, about the way that things are moving. So I really hope that you enjoy uh, listening to this um, conversation between Caitlin and myself as we talk about being two mothers raising kids in a modern world. Uh, welcome, Caitlin. Whereabouts are you in the world at the moment? Let's start there. I am in Austin, Texas, and I love Austin, Texas. Yeah, it's actually one of the uh, innovation cities of the world, I think, at the moment. It is. It's it's really progressive. When you hear Texas, I feel like everyone has this mindset, but Austin is um, is nothing like what I envisioned when I was told I was moving to Texas. So... <laughs> Very happy. So where are you from originally? So I've lived all over the United States, but I have had a lot of time in Alabama. My dad is a professor at a university over there. I went to the same university and met my husband, and um, he's in tech. So that pulled us to Austin. Got it. Okay. And um, just backtrack a little bit. So we met you on one of our projects that we were working on and we were in that project particularly looking to speak to um, parents that we considered more kind of at the the fringe or at the sort of leading edge of parenting who sort of represented um, where we thought things were shifting and moving um, and it really felt like you embodied um, lots of those things um, and the team uh, was so just invigorated to to come back from the the time that they spent with you that now I know that you've joined our hack squad um so I'm really yeah looking forward to kind of diving into your story um of becoming a parent um and kind of just yeah digging into to your sort of aspirations and how you feel about raising um a child in in the kind of the, the world um as it is today and and how it's moving um forward so it might might be good to sort of start um at the beginning of your parenting um, journey because I know that your story uh, is um, a little more unusual um, and it's absolutely fascinating so do you want to sort of start there from um, kind of when when you became um, a mother and and, and tell us a little bit about about the start of your parenting journey yeah for sure so um, my son is six and a half but I have only been his mother for two years which is unique Um, we adopted him when he was an older kid. That was a surprise, um, the best surprise. But me and my husband, when it, when it came time to have kids, I'm, I'm someone that kind of questions everything and and I ask why and kind of dissect it. And we knew all of our friends were having kids, but I was like, 
you know, is this the only way to have kids? And, and we knew that it wasn't. And really, we were investigating what was the best way for us to have kids with our skill set. And um, we really started dreaming for our child before we even met him. But, you know, there was a definite distinct point um, in our journey where I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would tell my husband, you know what, we have a kid out there. Like, he's already born. I just feel it in my bones. So we went on a huge adoption journey to find him, and we explored every avenue and were really struck by um, the foster care crisis in the United States on any given Mm -hmm. day. There's nearly half a million kids that don't have a permanent place to call home, Mm -hmm. and this grieved our hearts. So for a while, we were like, well, we're going to be a respite family, so instead of kids sleeping in offices... Um, we, you know, we have two extra bedrooms. We can fix them up for children and we can be a safe temporary space. So, um, we called ourselves for now parents because we, we do feel very strongly that children should be kept, um, in their family or culture of origin when at all possible. Mm. Um, but when we met our son, we, you know, we were excited and we were adventuring and everything was fun and new and we didn't know how long it was going to last. So we really just explored and had our hands in everything. And 90 days later, um, we went to listen in on his court case because we were trying to learn more about him. And and we were told that Jackson had expressed to his court-appointed advocate, so children don't have to go to court. There's a safe adult that hangs out with the kids a few times a month, and they go to court to speak on their behalf. And Jax had told his advocate, you know, I, uh, I really want to live here forever. I like these people. This mm-hmm. is what I want my life to be like. And they asked us, and we had known him for just 90 days. But mm-hmm. how, how, you can't say no. And we loved him already. And we were like, yes, yes to this forever. We choose him, and, and we choose this magic. And, and we, we never wanted it to end. Now, granted, it's, it's very hard to adopt, especially when a child is older, because they carry a lot of weight and trauma with them. But we felt like mm-hmm. by saying yes, we were promising that we were going to help him carry that, because we don't believe that a child should ever carry that by themselves. Yeah. Wow. I've got like full body goosebumps. Um, when you were told that he he said that, that must have been such a magical but also quite overwhelming moment I imagine yeah and I was really overwhelmed and then um I've had an opportunity to meet his birth family extensively but I had never met we we don't like the term birth family I used that but uh, we like the term first family because it Mm. it shows their significance a little bit more and language is very important to us so I went and I I met with his first dad and, and he told me he was like my son loves you, and I just want you to love him as as if he has always been there. Like, you know, like, and I, I promised him. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's a promise that I'm, that I'm dedicated to keep, and, you know, life is, life is better with Jack. So people always tell us, you know, he's so lucky to offend you. Like, we are the lucky ones. I wake up every day, and I feel like I've won the lottery, because he's just amazing. He's just such a good kid. And I'm just so honored that he chose us. Wow. Well, what, how incredible that the universe kind of brought 
you guys together. Um, I just want to pick on up on something you said a couple of times because I think it's quite significant is is language actually um I mean when you said for now parents I thought oh my goodness that is such a nicer term than like fostering um and just feels so much more um I don't know I can just imagine as a child that that would hearing that term would make so much more sense and feel Mm -hmm. so much more nurturing um and then again in in the sort of the first family um because that implies that you know that you're on a journey um Mm -hmm. rather than something is you know completely uh fixed and un un kind of changeable as kind of maybe birth parents suggest so it's interesting is that something that you've kind of consciously come across in your journey using using the right language because it's something that I actually as a parent I have so many words in the parenting lexicon that I just think need refreshing and updated even things like stay at home mum like they're all just like they just they just sort of give the wrong energy and I don't think it helps when you're having conversations about being in you know personal situations or Absolutely. unique um life um kind of stages that you're in that might be different to other people i don't think it does anyone any famous so it's, it's favors so it's interesting that you've kind of come up with this wonderful vocabulary which you know f- for me just talking to you for the first time i i feel like i'm so much kind of closer to understanding the the sort of parts of the journey that you went on yeah, and, and I think language is important because I feel like everyone travels through the world with their specific story, and it means a lot to me that my words honor their story, and I don't get to tell their story. When they give it to me, I need to respond in a way that lifts them up. I want people to feel like I'm hugging them with my words, um, and I don't want anyone to feel ever like less than because, you know, no person is is less than we're all different but not less so mm-hmm. um that that was important to me and i i learned a lot from other people but then when i when we were on this journey my son was also very um you know he would tell us certain things or or how he felt and i i wanted my words to just really just honor him like i said but also mm-hmm. when when you meet your child's first family no matter what they've done or, you know, there are many things that I could be angry about, but, but they chose to love and give life to my child in their own way. Mm. And while we might be totally different, you know, I just honor the people that by, by loving my son, I can't help but love them, you know, Mm. it's just really, um, but you know, again, we use, we get lots of questions from people and I think it's also important to be bold and to reframe like reframe language that that Mm. makes me uncomfortable like I get asked all the time well how is his real mom doing and so naturally that would hurt but I have to put that aside and Mm. make it a teaching moment and I say well you know um, which mom are you talking about because Mm. we're all very real Um, and Jax would tell you that I am I am his mama. So like, let's, let's, let's dissect that. Or like, I don't like for somebody to call him my adoptive son. He's just my son. He grew in my heart and not my tummy, but Mm -hmm. he's just as much so my son. So language is important to me for everything, especially people with disabilities, um, vulnerable Mm. people groups. um, And I feel like whatever tell, whatever someone tells me that they want to be called, I'm going to call them that. It's not, 
I don't get to define them. Yeah, that that expression that you use, hugging people with words, I, I absolutely love that. Um, I wish people would think more about that because I think it makes a huge powerful. impact. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to go right back, actually. Um, so you were talking about when you were uh, thinking about having a child and you were, mm-hmm. um, I assume, mulling over all the different um, kind of options. And it sounds like you were having uh, lots of conversations with with yourself and, and, and thinking about how you wanted to do this. Did you, did you consider having um, a child naturally? Mm-hmm. Or is this is this kind of uh, something that just felt completely right for you guys? So we totally did, and we can. That's the thing that a lot of people question. They're like, well, can you? And and we actually can. And in the future, we, I don't know, we're a bit addicted to adoption, but we could yeah. change our minds. But what it really came down to is for a while, me and my husband would tell each other, we're going to have, quote, unquote, our own first, and then we will adopt. And I, I all of a sudden hit this roadblock, and I said, we need to back up, because this is what everyone says, and what our words are saying are that biological children are plan A, and children that are adopted are plan B. Mm. And it made me feel like we were making them less than, and I was like, you know what? We know the truth is that children who are adopted have a lot of things to work through. Wouldn't it be best? If before we have any other children in our home, we in we call it intentional adoption, not just adopting because it was our last option. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for us, we wanted to intentionally adopt our first child mm. and give every ounce of energy into helping them heal and feel at home. And then we would consider, well, how would we like to have baby number two? And with each child mm. that we bring into our home, we're going to go back, but now my son is telling me, uh, y'all, can't, y'all can't have any babies. I need a big boy that I can play basketball with. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Jax, I guess you can pick. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. basketball is good. He knows what he wants. Yeah, he needs a teammate. <laughs> um, I yeah, I find that super interesting. And I guess, um, yeah, I'm interested in your opinion. I mean, I think you're you know, it's just already, you know, it's so inspiring um, and, and clearly um, more of a sort of a unique or niche way of thinking. But it does feel like we're kind of at this point um, in time where um, lots of things are colliding. Um, we don't even know what's going to happen to the planet. Um, right, politics right. feels like a mess. Like the grown-ups don't feel feel like the they don't really know mess. what they're doing. <laughs> um, and, and I think it, it is, we're entering an age where lots of things are getting, um, you know, re, re, rethought um, and we're doing things differently. We see that particularly in the kind of commercial landscape. There's so, you know, so many different ways of doing business. I think education is, is getting there. It's slower to catch Absolutely. up, but there's new ways to sort of educate. And this is a really um, fascinating topic for me because I believe that we are going to either by choice or through force um, have to rethink the way that we have families. Um, and I know that there is, um, there's trends like there's an increase in um, 
single children in families um and and you know partly that's because um you know women are having um babies slightly later but also people are choosing from an environmental standpoint mm-hmm. um actually um you know we don't really need any more people in this world and i'm not sure if i want to bring a new one into this world um mm-hmm. right now so i'm interested it's in scary. in yeah. your your point of view um which you know um you know at the moment certainly probably represents a small number of people but do you think the you know when you've talked about your journey and your your choices and your thought process to others do you feel like this is perhaps um something that will um kind of grow um in in the future and more people will be looking at alternative routes the way that you did mm-hmm. to how they might uh, go about having a family so I have a lot of big opinions on this and big feelings, but I will say, um, one, something we say in our family is that all children are precious. No matter how they get here, they're all precious and have extraordinary value and deserve to be safe because kids are important. Um, for, you know, we have, it's just kind of like we're, we're learning how to be good stewards and, and take care of the planet that we have because we're mm. not going to get another. I think we really need to step back and say, look at all of these beautiful children that we have that we're not taking care of. Mm. And, and uh, a friend of mine has this quote, and I, I love it. Um, she always says, there's no such thing as other people's kids. They're all mm. our kids, you know? And that's kind of how I look at at the world. You know, they're all our kids. And as a society, we need to, one, recognize their value. Because I feel like a lot our society is not valuing kids um, in some ways as much as we should. Mm. And, um, and also just understanding that, you know, the healing power of one safe adult in every child's life. Um, we could change the world. I mean, we know how, how many children are affected by the orphan care crisis. And if we want to change the world, it's going to take investing in that next generation. I mean, it's easy. They're there. They're waiting for homes. We just have to say yes. Mm-hmm. And so I really hope that more people will start to adopt. But I will say with harder adoptions like ours, we have noticed in society that a lot of people are scared of our family. Um, there's a lot of unknowns and, and this is weird or this makes me mm. a little uncomfortable. And I think it's really just going to take shaking ourselves up and, and saying, you know what, sometimes things are going to be a little scary and they're going to be hard, but it doesn't mean that they're not worthwhile, mm. you know, and we need to step in like, was it uncomfortable and hard for me as an adult? Absolutely. But it was probably far more uncomfortable and hard for my child. Mm. You know, so really, I'm I'm going to put myself in the back seat and elevate these children because they are our future. Yeah, um, and maybe we are maybe another generation away from um, truly embracing the diversity of families because I think um, there are so many uh, different constructs to to families now. I mean, even just since. I was I was a kid, um, you know the the sort of blended families and um, same gender parents um, and yeah. kind of you know multicultural. Um, and it's interesting that actually you're saying, you know, for a lot of people still, when presenting something that isn't the kind of blueprint, <laughs> um, you know, American mm-hmm. family, there's still uh, you know some sort of um, 
fear or uncertainty there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because my child comes from a hard place, too, and um, yeah. we talk very openly about trauma and, and the needs uh, of healing relationships, some people are scared, basically, like, will this rub off on me? Or, you know, I, I have, we've been on playdates before, and some, my son talks about it a lot. Like, he was, um, we, he had a friend coming over after school the other day, and his friend saw a picture, and he said, what is this? And Jackson was like, that's when I was being adopted. And his friend said, I don't want to be adopted. I like my mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, buddy, buddy. So, you know, there's just, we don't, people don't know when we don't talk about it. But I I think these conversations are are what's really going to make people talk about it. And I'll tell you, when you're talking about the single parents, I cannot tell you how many single women I've known that they thought they were going to get married and have, you know, the cookie cutter family. And when they didn't, they realized, you know what? I can be a mom all by myself. Mm. And they go mm. and adopt kids, and they're doing mm. an incredible job of raising mm. compassionate, beautiful humans. Mm. And I just, like, I want to give them a standing ovation every time I see them, but I have to remind myself, that's a normal family, Kate. Don't make this weird. <laughs> you know, like, don't make this a thing. <laughs> yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, I mean, gosh, solo parenting is... Oh, um, I couldn't do it. I, I just, I, know. yeah, it is mind-blowing. Yeah. I just wonder, like, so you work all day, and then you take your kids to all of their things, yeah. and then you cook dinner, and you put them all to bed. Like, what What do you do for you? I'm so yeah. fascinated yeah. by the strength of single parents. Completely, and I think just having another adult to, you know, constantly, mm-hmm. you know, regularly be able yeah. to talk to, I think you need that to keep you sane. Yeah, it is quite astounding and um, we practice what? in our home we do something called the tap out when one of us gets overwhelmed we, we <laughs> yeah. tap the other one's shoulder and we're like i'm gonna tap out and we take 10 minutes and the other one swoops in but there are no tap outs for single parents yeah so true um you said something quite interesting which which kind of made me think of it on a, on a slightly more micro level so you talked about this thing about uh, I think there was there was a quote about you know children you know children but they're everyone's they're all of ours mm-hmm. um and there is that saying isn't there that it takes a village to to raise yeah. a child which I which I love and is so true but just I mean quite anecdotally I feel like um you know thinking about when I was a child I did feel like that was the mentality mm-hmm. of um the street where I grew up and the school um, and the kind of community was that just sort of parents had each other's backs and you know yeah. if they, as kids if we were running up and down the street and in any in, in and out of each other's houses like you know we all they all kind of watched out for each other and and it Mm -hmm. did sort of feel like that and I feel I know that sort of um community does still exist in some places but I think much less so and people have almost become much more um sort of um individual in their in 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 their kind of attitudes and the way they are I think particularly with other people's children Mm -hmm. um and and you know I've often had conversations with with like other sort of friends that are parents who sort of said oh I never really know what to say to another kid if mm. I'm in like a soft play or something and and they like whack my other child and it feels like we've we've 
maybe lost that a little bit that kind of you know the idea that we are all in this village um mm-hmm. you know we can all kind of help each other um and maybe it's got certainly in the UK anyway um and maybe the same in the US you you can Definitely kind of comment but same. feels yeah. more more judgy a bit more like you know just watch your own kid like feels a little bit more like that mm-hmm. do, do you kind of see see that in your experience yeah I mean we definitely mirror that over here in the US and and on one hand I understand why we've gotten that way in safety concerns um, but on mm. the other hand I also recognize that this parenting and isolation is really bad for not only our children but our mental health as parents yeah totally and so I've started doing this thing where when I meet other women you know I, I want to be really intentional about lunch dates and learning who they are and their family and investing into their children. And recently when we've started doing this thing where I meet other women that I know will have invaluable influence on my child, I ask them, I'm like, you know what? I love you. You feel like family to us and I would love for you to be an other mother. We use the term other mother nice. to my son. And so we have two other, three now, one just moved in and is our new neighbor. We, I have three other mothers in, in our neighborhood now. And, you know, just really confiding. But I think it's also important to ask people, you know, when their children like come over to our house or something, I say, can you give me your ground rules? Because I want to make sure that I also mirror what mm. you're teaching. So it's not this big confusion. Like, are there any hard no's in your family? A hard no for us is that children don't play together behind closed doors if an adult is not watching. That's a hard mm. no. And so just really kind of talking about this, or another thing is we um, we don't believe like that you can touch a child's body without their consent. Mm. Unless it's a life or death situation and you need to like yank them out of the street. You know, if my son's having a meltdown, I expect for someone to say, hey, I see that you're yeah. having a hard time. Can I touch your body? And if mm. he says no don't touch him, you know? Yeah. So just really kind of having those open conversations. And I have a handful of parents that they parent completely different from me, but their children will come and they'll spend a a day in our home every week or, you know, just really. And I have to honor them as parents and also, you know, so it's this balance and we're going to mess up, but just being honest with each other that's saying, I'm going to try my best if I mess up be bold and correct me and, and help me learn, you mm. know? So when we're just, when we kind of put our pride away and we're like, we're all just going to help each other here and, and mistakes are going to happen, but we love each other and we'll work through it. Um, I, I do think that we need to get back um, to raising our children together because there are some things that I'm just not good at and I'm not skilled at, but I know one of my son's other mothers or, you know, or a, a strong man in our community and a kind man. They, those are things that other people can invest. So where, mm. where I fall short, it's important that I ask other adults to pour into him in that area. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Other mother. I mean, can we just like start hashtag or something? I think that, <laughs> that just yeah. needs to be out there because I don't, we don't have our children um, christened. So I think maybe the closest equivalent would be like godparents where you yes. sort of choose these people. But we, we don't... Um, you know, we don't, we don't have our kids christened. So I love just taking that moment to be like, I love your values. I love you. Um, you know, you're, you're such a sort of cool influence. Um, please be an other mother. I love that. I can instantly think of lots of people that, that I'd love to say that to. Yeah. And I called one of my son's other mothers, uh, this morning and for 40 minutes, I was like, look, 
I'm at my wits end. I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. Talk me through this. And she almost, she was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the next step. And, you know, we, we just, we bounced back and forth. And then she said, okay, I'm struggling here with my daughter. What would you do? And I was like, ah, you know, and we just, we go back and forth and, um, yeah, we just share our mothering gifts and it makes us better. Mm. And I think what you said about parents having different skills, I think that need and sharing those, I think that needs to be the next evolution of because we've kind of had blogging and like Instagram, you know, Insta moms and and, and family vloggers. But I feel like um, maybe sometimes it, it, it can actually not always be um, comforting and supporting because we get these kind of images of perfection and a lot of them are kind yeah. of more focused on lifestyle or actually they're the complete opposite and they're trying to make you feel better and they're almost like <laughs> the kind of the worst parts of motherhood yeah. that I don't particularly like looking at. And it's interesting because I, um, I've i been doing for about a year now a um, Instagram account which has um, taken off quite rapidly actually where I um talk about play and living playfully because that's kind mm. of my thing and I've done a lot of research on that um and, and and have built a kind of expertise in that and what I find so fascinating is um yeah just the the, the sort of the the gratefulness and the messages that I get from moms and dads um just about you know how I'd never you know I'd never really thought about this before and you've really kind of opened my eyes to to kind of think and you know I just feel like I'm learning so much and Mm -hmm. and it kind of made me think you know this idea that there's certain aspects of parenting that that we all struggle with but there's others that we are an absolute ninja at like whether that's like you've just got like a really good technique with doing homework which I don't I'm awful um or you're like totally smashing getting your kids to try new foods and you're really kind of good at that like we've all got these you can't do it all you can't be a pro at it all but there are always areas which we ace and they're different and some kind Mm -hmm. of like skill exchange I feel like that's got to be the next evolution of the kind of digital parenting and I community. So. Yeah. Like, for example, I need you. Like, you would be a great other mother with my child. I'm horrible <laughs> at arts and crafts, but I can teach any child math. You know? So yeah, okay, we like, really need to do an exchange because that's my ultimate weakness. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to swap off in the summer. <laughs> Completely. Like, we have this, like, shed in our garden that basically needs knocking down. And I was like, no, no, no. This can just be their messy play area. And it's, like, the best thing <laughs> ever because they just go in there and they do projects and they're making slime and blah. Um, yeah, but can I get them to do maths homework? No. <laughs> And no. <laughs> I taught my kid how to um, fold his own laundry this week. Your kids are making oh. slime and my kid is doing laundry. But, you know, it'll all even out in the end. <laughs> yeah, you actually have to do a lot of laundry when you get into slime. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so g- going back to, um, you know, you went on this journey and obviously, you know, you became... Um, Jackson's parents which is amazing did you I guess because it sounds like you're very proactive in your you know your ideas of how you want to do stuff like right from before you became a parent I think you said something like you know you had a dream for this kid before you Mm -hmm. even knew (laughs) who they were Um, and that really resonates with me because I I am quite like that as well and I I really like to kind of uh, manifest you know ways that I want to do things and and aspirations and goals that I have when you um 
you know, became um, full-time parents for Jackson, did you think, okay, these are the aspirations that I've got. These are my values. These are the things that are really important to us. And did you feel like you kind of almost had a, a mission that you went on about the, t- the way that you wanted to raise him and the things that were really important to you? Yeah, that's actually what I was just talking to his other mother, Beth, about this morning. And, you know, I've, I've had these dreams for him, and, and I'm at this pivotal point in my parenting, and it's going to happen again and again. And I have all of these lovely good dreams, and they're not wrong, but sometimes I look at my son, and I remember, you, as a human, are more important than my dreams for you, and your dreams for yourself are more important than my dreams for you. And it, it's not that, that I, I stop dreaming for him, but frequently my dreams have to change and evolve. Mm. And in that, for me, it, that, that's harder, you know, because here's, you know, we, we got him a trumpet and he's taking trumpet lessons and all of a sudden he wants to play the bass guitar. And it's just this, you know, it's very, um, it's hard, but, but the central things that I want him to know are that um, he has got to be kind to his fellow man and animals. Mm. We will not tolerate anything less than total kindness and respect for nature and his fellow man. Um, He can only count on what he earns, you know, and I want Mm. him to believe that when he becomes an adult. Um, Mm. If he wants something, he, he has two perfectly good, creative, wonderful hands, and he can earn it. And he mm. can do anything. Mm. Um, I I want him, um, when it comes to family values, I want him to recognize and appreciate the um, brilliance and, and value of his family. And, and I want him to love them well. And, and I want him to abide by the law. You know, I feel like mm. there's always that 5 to 10% gray area where there mm. needs to be a little. But, but I, I want him to... Um, respect authority and when he feels like authority is 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 not uh doing what he needs um that he will know the proper channels and and ways to respectfully work with them to to create needed change but but more so than everyone um i and i feel like this is very different because i feel like a lot of times we're telling our kids like you can be whatever you want to be and dream and dream and this and that and and it's, it's all about you, 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 you. And more than anything, I want my son to say, I love me and I'm confident with me and I'm going to take care of me, but I'm also going to take care of everyone around me because mm. they matter just as much. Mm. And I feel like we're kind, of, we're kind of missing that beat as a society. But I think we can get back there, you know? Mm. And, um, and it is, it's also, it's just really hard to teach. Here's like, for example... Um, you know, when when it comes to like, I don't know, we were on the playground and Jackson really wanted the swing and there was another kid and they were throwing an absolute fit because they wanted the swing, but they weren't first in line. And I kind of sat back and I watched and I said, how is Jack's going to handle this? Is he going to lead with his heart or his head? And he said, you know what? I like to push. You can swing and I'll push you. And I know that Jackson wanted that swing. 
but he led with kindness in that moment. And that's when I, I was like, we can stay at the park for an extra half hour. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> as long as you, you know? want. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and yeah. it was just amazing to watch him and his little six-year-old brain say, I know what I want and I want it now, but mm. you matter too. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting the uh, the point about kindness. And I know um, when we met before, you've um, said that it is equally as important to you that he has academic uh, intelligence as much as emotional and social mm-hmm. intelligence. And this is certainly we see a, a shift in focus um, amongst parents, particularly newer, uh, younger parents from the more millennial generation who are really turning to, to EQ as perhaps mm-hmm. a, uh, a sort of crucial part to survive and thrive in the future um, and that, you know, academic achievements, given that we are in such a volatile world, given that we don't even know what jobs are going to exist for these kids in the Mm -hmm. future, that is something that is always going to stand you in good stead and is going to be absolutely fundamentally important kind of to the that you know the future proofing of our you know the human race um and it's and it's it's interesting that we are yeah seeing much more parents kind of lean into that um it doesn't always feel like it when we look around at the world and what's mm-hmm. kind of going on because it certainly feels like we're taking a few steps backwards at, at times but we are definitely seeing this over and over again um with parents who are focusing on these kind of more eq based um qualities i wondered if you you know have is that something that you observe um just generally kind of in the parenting community that you're active with or any other kind of places mm-hmm. online and could you speak a bit towards you know where you think it's it's coming from and and how you sort of see yeah. it play out well so we're we're actually in several different kinds of parenting groups and they all kind of have different methods and opinions on this so I I love to be a fly on the wall and watch it play out but for us it's really come to the bottom line of my child can have all of the academic intelligence in in the world but if he doesn't know how to love his neighbor or work with someone else the academic intelligence is not going to get him anywhere um so for us really really putting the social and emotional at first was essential but you know in in our peaceful parenting group there there are a lot of kids that do that and then and then they might struggle in an, in an academic area and then i know a lot of parents who are very into certain forms of education where they push academic, 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 but then their kid can't play on the playground with another child to save their life, you mm. know? And so we, there's this need for balance, but you know what? If I had to pick one or the other, I would personally pick the emotional intelligence all day. Yeah. Um, because I feel like it, as long as Jax knows how to work with someone else and how to be kind, He's going to find a job, right? Mm. He will find some sort of job or some shoe that fits him. Mm. Um, But if he has all the brain power in the world and is a jerk, he's not going to get anywhere. You know, he's just, he's just not. And Mm. um, I also think it's really important when it comes to raising our sons this way, which I feel like is is changing generationally. And and we're kind of seeing this learning curve with this big parent shift and and we don't know how it's going to play out yet, but... Mm. 
but you know, I personally and my husband, I've seen seen the effects and how he's actively overcoming the effects of um, toxic masculinity and mm. um, just these different gender role ideas that girls are going to do this, this and that, and boys are going to do this, and and boys will be boys, and and I always just say, no, boys won't just be boys. Boys mm. will keep them hand their hands to themselves and mm. learn how to be kind, just like everyone else. Mm. Um, so I feel like especially as raising raising a son, um, I, you know. I, I've been blessed with a lot of amazing men in my life, but you, like, like you were saying, we're looking at world leaders and we're just like, yeah, that's, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And it's really interesting. So my son is nine and I also have a daughter who's six. Mm-hmm. And when I think about them in the future, I actually feel like I have more um, worries for, for my son and my daughter yeah. because she has been very much raised at this time of kind of women's liberation and um, women's movement and although there is a fight uh, on the side of women that has gone on for far too long um, and you know still is not one and we are still not an equal um, society I don't mm-hmm. think it will be her fight um, I think by the time she reaches um adulthood um there will be a real significant change and I can see the influence of you know she's grown up around a lot of you know feminist storybooks that have come Mm -hmm. out and even like Beyonce songs you know who run the world girls and you know all of this kind of yeah all of this like sort of this sort of pop culture around her is telling her how uh, incredible it is to be a woman and the power of that and that's awesome Um, and obviously you know I'm I'm a big advocate of that and I bring a lot of that to to her world because it is really important but Mm -hmm. when I try and do the same for my son I'm kind of scrambling around um, and it feels like he he is also seeing all of these messages and he's he's kind of thinking you know what's cool about being a guy like how how you meant to how you meant to be how you meant to be a guy like um and I find it really fascinating because it feels like you know we've leaned so much into to girls empowerment um Mm -hmm. and we still need to particularly in many places in the world but I think we are now at a point where we've got to start balancing that balancing mm-hmm. it out more because it's not going to work if we're going to have all of these um you know very sort of courageous um and um particularly kind of um leadership minded females if we don't balance that mm-hmm. out with with guys with with the sort of soft skills so as well on. and give yeah. them the freedom to you know to express their gender in in a new way as well mm-hmm. absolutely and and I love that you that you bring that up because you know it is a worry when whenever the pendulum is swinging one way, you know what's what's going to be the fallout. And so I really just, you know, we talk about you know masculinity a lot in our home and and healthy masculinity and and that you know the genders are are different, but one is is not less. And and it's okay for Jax to be competitive and this out of the other but I also mm. would want my son to be on the sidelines and if he sees any sort of injustice especially because not to make this political but I'm raising a white male yeah and especially yeah. in my country I know that he is in a position of, of power and I want him to use his power for good so I mm. want him to be the one that when he sees injustice that he steps up and says you know what that's not right and I'm mm. not gonna sit back and mm. um if if he sees places where 
where where he can change something or but but again I think this is when we're kind of throwing toxic masculinity aside we're just going to replace it with a healthy masculinity with with men mm. that are not told life's not fair get over it and be macho and we're going to say hey you know what feel those feelings process them yeah. let, let's talk about this and and I think we can raise very strong confident successful men that also lead with compassion Mm, and vulnerability, I think that's Absolutely. important too. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I'm curious because it sounds like you know Jax is six, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you're really already getting in early with some pretty complex topics. Yeah. Um, you mentioned consent um, earlier, mm-hmm. which is an interesting one. Um, yeah, just curious how how you go. About about tackling something like that and if yeah. if you found anything that's been helpful to you whether that's like characters or stories or mm-hmm. I don't know different experiences that you've, you've kind of been through or watched together that have helped you have some of those more um, complicated conversations because I'm really an advocate for you know you can never yeah. really start too early never. for this kind of stuff but it is hard and I do have a lot of conversations with parents online that say I really want to teach this but it's kind of new to me too yeah. I don't even know what, like where to start. Well, and for us with Jax, because because he comes from a hard place, and um, you know he he has been hurt before before he moved in. I feel mm. like we almost had to start earlier because we had to help him sort this out in his brain. This is yeah, what happened sure. to me. This is so the whole you can't touch my body without my permission and things like that. That's that's very natural. Mm. Um, we also have started having um, age-appropriate conversations about sex and, mm. and things like that. But um, we practice something in our body, in our home, called the rectangle of restriction. And mm-hmm. for all genders, no matter who it is, about shoulders to mid-thigh, that's their rectangle of restriction. And no matter what, you cannot touch someone there. You mm. know, and it's mm. not welcome, it's not wanted, it's not appropriate. So it's a very basic fine line rule and we don't have to get into it like well I could touch a boy's chest and not a girl's and then no for everybody you must Mm. honor the rectangle of restriction point blank period there's no negotiating and Jax came home the other day and we have body safety rules and every day if he's with a different adult I just say hey just want to check in did everybody follow your body safety rules and Jackson looked at me the other day and he goes no and he's never (laughs) said that so I'm like freaking out I'm like what and he yeah. said, we were playing tag, and somebody tagged me in my rectangle of restriction. So he's talking like shoulders to mid-thighs. <laughs> I was like, buddy, like let, let's context this out a little. So, you know, but having those body talks and, yeah. and about anatomy and things like that, mainly because I want him to know if, if he's ever wronged, like, like this isn't shameful. We talk about it all the time. There's no shame behind yeah. it. Get you yeah. help. Go to a teacher, a doctor, a mom, or a dad, or anybody, and just say, you know what? Somebody broke one of my body safety rules, and I'm upset. Because as mm. an adult, we have the tools to really navigate that and say, okay, mm. I'm going to walk you through that. Mm. But I have to tell you, and and you might decide to edit this out, but the other day, Jackson just asked randomly. I could tell you her at school, Mom, what's sex? And I was like, oh, like, do I lie? Do I call his dad? <laughs> like, So I told him a very age-appropriate truth. And he said, well, you and dad don't do that. And I said, what? Like, why? And he goes, well, because I learned that, that that's how people make tummy babies. And, and y'all don't make tummy babies. 
And I'm thinking, oh, wow, we're about to reframe yeah. this conversation in a way that is like our society yeah. doesn't do. So I told him, I said, well, most of the time, people only do that to make tummy babies two or three times in their life. And the rest of the time, it's, it's just for fun. And he looks at me and he's mortified. And I'm like, oh, no, what happens next? And then he busted out laughing and he goes, y'all are disgusting and he just <laughs> walked away and I was like oh well okay <laughs> and his dad asked him do you have any more questions when he got home and Jack was like nope I'm not talking about it Mm-mm. <laughs> so you know I think really I just just answer to the level yeah. and the age that they're at and it's it's gonna grow with them each year yeah. they'll have a new question and you can but um but it's I funny. think when 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 they ask a question like that, I just think it's perfect opportunity to give them a proper answer. Yeah. I actually think it's easier to answer one of their questions with the correct answer than it is to sort of think, oh, I need to talk to them about this thing and mm-hmm. I'm going to have to bring it up. Like I always jump on those moments because yeah. I think, okay, they're engaged and they're thinking and they're talking on their level. Um, I had a similar uh, situation in the summer with my son um, where we got into a, a conversation about consent. We were at dinner. It was like the most inappropriate moment. We were with some family <laughs> and he made a comment, something along the line of um it was something to do with kissing and how girls uh, always sort of acted like they wanted to be kissed but then actually didn't um and he'd obviously oh. from somewhere yeah he was kind of soaking up from somewhere this idea that it was it was frustrating when a girl behaved in a way that suggested that she wanted to be um kissed or whatever um and then actually um didn't want to do that so I was like boom we are going there <laughs> and I just kind of yeah. yeah and what was really amazing was that he just listened to everything that I said um and I just you know said it straight out and then at the end of the conversation he just gave me a hug he kissed me on the cheek and he just said I love you mum and then he just carried on eating his dinner and I thought he obviously has had that slightly either subconsciously or consciously in his mind Mm -hmm. and he's kind of been thinking about that and not really sure maybe feeling like I don't really know the answer or I don't know how to form an opinion mm-hmm. on this and that's why I think it's good to just swoop in in the moment because Absolutely. you know from from the way that he you know just yeah gave me a kiss and said I love you I knew that he just thought yep we got that got that zipped up and I know how to move yeah. on from that and he heard <laughs> but I also love that it happened over dinner for you guys because I feel like some of our best teaching moments happen around food and if it's food that they Mm. like or that tastes good the dopamine is rolling in their brain and they've got the deep pressure from the chewing and I feel like it's a time when our kids can like really slow down and hear us so I love that that happened over dinner but but not only that I mean I'm sure some parents would have answered but like think about your sister think about your mom and how would you want them treated it could be someone's sister or mother Mm. or girlfriend Mm. but I feel like it's important especially with our boys I don't say that because it doesn't matter if she's yeah. someone's sister or mother totally. or girlfriend. Yeah. It matters that she's a human. And mm. if she says no, she means no. And yeah. which it, it's another good opportunity for how we talk about can I touch your body or can I give you a kiss? And imagine a little boy frustrated, you know, does she want to kiss? Does she not want to kiss? If he mm. just says, would you like a kiss? And she says, no, there you have it. You know, it's out there in yeah. the open and... But I love the fact that y'all that and he felt he felt safe 
expressing mm. that and it just seems like it happens so naturally for you guys and what better time to learn yeah it's funny you say that about eating and food that's so true and potentially a little bit concerning because certainly in in some countries the you know the ritual of family dining is is on the decline with mm -hmm. you know just the lifestyles of you know two parents working and yeah. fitting in extracurricular school activities yeah. there's so much going on with school like it is sometimes hard to keep up and um, but it's so okay. true to remember that the meal time isn't just about actually you know, sitting down and having mm -hmm. a chat and eating some proper, <laughs> proper yeah. home cooked food. But actually, this is the space where good learning and 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 progressive teaching yeah. can happen. And I think we can also recreate it in modern families that are on the go. Like for us personally, I I have learned that my child can think and and process messages better when he has something. So I always keep a thing of mints with me, and and I I've left one at their school and given them the instructions. So before I correct him, the first thing I say is if he needs to, if he needs discipline or correction, I say, hey, can you come here? The first thing I say is, hey, just so you know, you're totally safe right now. I'm not mad at you. We're going to learn together. Mm -hmm. And then I say, would you like a mint? Because normally, you know, like sharing a mint, mm -hmm. it's like I'm, I'm your safe person. I'm your mother. We're going to get through this. And mm -hmm. he'll have a mint in his mouth, and I'm like, okay, let's dissect this. You decided to use an expletive on the playground. Yeah. Any idea why we don't use the F word in the playground? And then he eats his men and we talk through it and we're like, yeah, okay, so let's make a plan for what we're going to do different in the future. And mm. then I say, okay, repeat my plan. Do you want to do a pinky promise? I'm going to hold you accountable for that because I know you can do the right thing. And then we just break and it's so much... It's, it's way better than you did this and I can't believe it. And He's not learning. When we get to that place, their brains just shut down. But if we give them a snack or a mint or a meal, we can really get somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm curious, what do you guys like doing together as, as a family? What kind of um, stuff do you share yeah. and, and, and bond over? So we love food. Funny that we touched on that. Once a month, <laughs> I take Jack's on a fancy dinner date, and we will go somewhere. We'll get multiple courses. It's a, it's a love. We love to travel. We deeply love animals. We have hmm. um, two dogs and chickens, and we'll hike and all. But um, Jack's has several sports, and, and we love to show up and, and show him that, that we're into his sports or his music. On, um, he trained. Have you ever seen the show American Ninja Warrior? Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, my son loves that. So Jackson <laughs> trains at the Austin Ninja Gym, and he is hoping to start competing this winter. So wow. it's they have people that have been on the show, and they they teach classes. So he loves it. His favorite thing is if we let him go and run obstacles, and we watch him and, and cheer for him. Mm. That's a that's a big one. Yeah, it's interesting that because my son is big into parkour, so he yes, he does yeah. a lot of that. He goes to a fa facility, sounds quite similar, where yeah. Um, yeah, they get to learn all these sort of 
tricks and run up walls and do flips and stuff. And I find it really interesting because I am hyper aware, obviously, through the work that I do, that kids are incredibly overscheduled today um, and have um, way more structured activities than they do free, free play. Uh, and open play yeah and I'm always trying to to balance that because there's also just so much cool stuff that kids can do right. um, and life is busy like you know I run a business um you know and and I kind of need them sometimes to be in mm-hmm. stuff um yeah. and I'm always trying to balance that and I feel like parkour has just been an absolute just uh just gem for us because he goes to this place but it is it's very unstructured and Mm -hmm. he's not he's not judged on uh, levels or grades Mm -hmm. or you know badges he you know he tracks progress by you know I could do this one week I couldn't do it and now I can Um, and I think there's something about that that's really cool um and I I my kid one of my favorite things the kids do is obstacle courses they'll play that for hours and we've got all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. in the garden and I think there's something quite in that about the way that you know sort of modern parents that are kind of raising kids literally getting over obstacles like figuring Mm -hmm. stuff out like using as you said your two hands to achieve something can do something and I think there's something very kind of metaphoric going on in the freedom that they have from doing that like parkour ninja Mm -hmm. obstacle stuff that that are yeah I think I think I think it's really really beneficial and, you know, there are many aspects of the sport, too, that I've noticed that that even though it's unstructured and they're playing, that they're learning, um, one, there are other kids there. You need to mm. wait your turn. If they're on that mm. obstacle, it's not your moment. Or um, like body boundaries, my son will do something and he'll fall and he'll get hurt and we'll say, okay, what? how'd that happen? Let's work through this. Um, also, it is very good deep pressure and very it's like occupational therapy you know they're learning coordination and balance and boundaries and i just think you can get so many good things in one from it and it's exercise and they're not in front of a mm. screen yeah um and and my son loves to i he's never really been competitive but he started to notice like Hey, so and so did that. I'm gonna try to do that, and it's it's this cool little personality that I see blooming from it. Mm, um, yeah. But I think all kids could just so greatly benefit. Um, and, and like you said, I couldn't do that this week. I really want to figure it out this week. And that persistence—it's yeah. just such a great quality. Yeah, and that kind of um, yeah persistence and and kind of grit and resilience; those are things that it feels like are also coming to the the front of the uh, the sort of parenting mm-hmm. conversation alongside the emotional intelligence stuff because those have slightly been taken away from children or the opportunities yeah. to to build those skills because of this everything's so structured and there's much more testing and academia Ugh, is is right. kind of so it's much gross. more intense yeah and it feels like actually you know a lot of parents are starting to be like I want to put them in environments where they're going to fail <laughs> or they're going to, you know, they, it's going to be really hard to, yeah. to teach them. I think you said something similar about the conversation that you were having about dreams. And it's almost like you can dream big, but 
with it, you know, with some reality checks. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I think that when when we were kids, like certainly from from my generation, it was like you can be anything, dream big, the world is your oyster. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you grow up and you're like, uh, what is this false manifesto I've been sold? <laughs> I um, was just <laughs> telling my dad that I was like, you you told me I could do whatever, and you never once said. Think about how much money you're going to need to pay your bills. That would have been helpful, (laughs) you know? Totally, yeah. So it feels like those are also things that are are coming back, that parents Mm -hmm. are trying to make sure that their kids have those um the opportunities to yeah to 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 build grit uh, Mm -hmm. so important because ideally i think something that all of us even though we have different methods something that we all desire is i'm not just raising my son for my own enjoyment or whatever i mean he's an investment into the world and Mm. and also i want him to grow up and it'll break my heart but i want him to move out to chase his own dreams to provide for himself and take care of himself and have all of the skills he needs to not only survive, but to thrive and, and yeah. to do it well and, and happily. And and so I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself of, um, you know, that, that one day when, when he moves out, my, my greatest joy as a mother will be knowing that he's going to be okay because yeah. we, did, we did a good job, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And I think my my kind of primary, if I had to say, what is my core motivator um, to kind of accomplish as a parent, it is um, that they are able to form good, positive relationships. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like if you have those, you're going to be all right. <laughs> and I think yeah. about, you know, in my life, you know, when things get difficult or, you know, something, a challenge comes up or, you know, you've had some bad news or you're going through a difficult spot, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. what is the thing that always pulls you out of it? It is always relationships, good Absolutely. relationships at work, with your partner, with your family, um, stable, solid friendships can just make such a difference mm-hmm. to to your entire life. So that yeah. that is kind of, um, you know, what I try and keep as my sort of primary mission for them really because I know if they've got that and they can do that mm-hmm. you know wh- whatever they do they'll they'll be all right and they'll be able to Absolutely. make themselves happy and you know I I, I love that that gives me like all of the goosebumps because I'm like <laughs> you know and, and that's that's why we teach them everything the kindness the mm. everything it's it's all so they can love and they can be loved yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned um, screens. You said the ninja stuff. It kind of gets, exercise gets him off the screens. Curious, what's your what's your approach to um, parenting in this digital world? This way that kids interact with technology and games and the internet that wasn't um, accessible to us as children. How do you how do you go about all that? You know, uh, Jax would tell you that I'm the meanest mom in the whole world when it comes to this. <laughs> but I, I actually keep this behavior journal every day and I write down what went well, what didn't go well. And I started noticing early on that I was having this trend with him. And whenever he had any screen time, any kind of screen time at all, that the following hour to two hours right after were full of conflict and struggle and attitude. And I was like, I don't want to spend my life um, like parenting you and, and correcting you over this. Like this isn't fun and it's not helping our attachment. And so mm. we actually swapped to um, Jax can only have 
screen times on Fridays and Saturdays, and they come with rather strict boundaries. Mm. Um, we he he has a tablet that we we've taken internet access. We put on it what we want on it, and and if we're out at like a really fancy restaurant and we've all eaten and done dessert and we're gonna have a drink or something, and he's there, that's a time when we would pull out a tablet. But it's it's certainly mm. not an everyday. Um, like right now, he's actually home sick, but it's a Monday, and I'm like, ah, what do we do? So if it if it's a day like this where we we do need a show, we have very strict ones that he's allowed to watch. So right now, he's watching um, a show about animals, and uh, he just told me he goes, those two boy pandas are fighting for that girl panda. Which one do you think is gonna win? So you know, it's very it's it's not. Um, I, some parts of me feels a little sad that we have to be so strict about this because he'll have mm. friends and they'll be talking about a movie and he's like, a what? Like I, He doesn't know the characters. He doesn't know mm. a lot of these common characters. We go see a movie together probably every other month as a treat and all, but um, but no, he, he mainly watches. He loves the Great British Baking Show. I'm sure you'll find that. Yeah. He thinks that is a wonderful. That's one of his favorites. It's big, it's big in the U.S., isn't it? Yeah, it's the Great British so big. And <laughs> I actually have a friend from the U.K., and the first time Jackson met him, he was like, were you on that show? And I was like, you know what? There, there are British people that are not from that show. <laughs> <laughs> there really are. I'm one but, of them. <laughs> But, you know, so we just kind of keep it, and, and mainly something that is important to us is that the shows we watch are all shows that we can watch together, mm. and that we can sit on the couch and snuggle over a bowl of popcorn, but there's still some sort of connection beyond the screen. Mm. And do yeah. you, it's interesting that because yeah, we do a lot of entertainment um, research and we hear the same thing from a lot of parents are really seeking content that can be ju- enjo- equally mm-hmm. enjoyed together. So you're not just kind of sacrificing your own entertainment yeah. to sort of sit through something that's a bit dull to you. Like there, mm-hmm. there's a sort of a hunger to watch things that, yeah, you can all snuggle up on the sofa um, and, and kind yeah. of connect over. Do you feel like there's enough stuff out there to choose from as it kind of moves forward? Is there fresh family entertainment or is there something like different that you would like or you'd like to see a bit of progression there? I mean, I think in the age of Netflix that that we do have some, and, and me and my husband were also kind of, I don't know, we don't, we don't like kids. I mean, I know there are some parents, but I, I do think there's room for growth, but I also think mm-hmm. it's better now than when I was younger. So I think we're yeah. moving in the right direction. I mean, we talked about it. We've got Ninja Warrior. We've got all of these beautiful yeah. animal and travel shows, food shows. and But for us, it was really about just training Jacks that that's what we watch and that's what's fun and that's what we like. And, um, mm. and so, yeah, and, and also, again, like if we can't all agree on something – Maybe we're going to listen to a record or play a board game. But but on the weekdays, it, it's just very important that um, when he's at school or one of us is working or something, that the hours we have together are connected hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And how do you, because you said you were quite strict about what goes on the tablet. What's what's on there and how did you decide <laughs> to that that was okay? Well, so we got in trouble for um, trying to sneak our tablet multiple times this past week. So many things have been taken off, and he can earn them back as he remembers. Right. He has to ask first. But some things, we, 
Can I give the name of the game? Is that like yeah, a, please okay, do. Yeah, 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 please do. So we really like extra math right now. Um, extra math. They spit out these math problems over and over, like like simple ones that that should just become kind of memory for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does them in, and it's not so much about the math to him. It's like how many did you get right in a row? And he's like, I did six. I did six. It's the first day that I did six. Tomorrow I'm gonna do seven. And, you know, that is that is very, very fun. Um, we're very into audiobooks. Mm. All of the audibles, we listen to at least one audiobook a day. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yes. We are, we're all about it. Um, we, he likes games where it starts, so he does, he has an Amazon Alexa in his room. He has the kid version, and so we can lock it down and set timers, and it's, it's brilliant, but he really likes the games where it's like a story is being told, and then, and then it's like, and what happens next? Here are your mm. choices, and he picks the choice, and then it'll take the story down that road. Cool, um, yeah. Loves that, or any trivia mm. games. He he really likes Fruit Ninja. You know what I'm talking mm. about on the... Yeah. <laughs> that's, Fruit Ninja is, is cool, and um, but Extra Math, I would say Extra Math and Audibles are the two that we're doing the very most of right now Mm. um and he also loves the um disney you know they have a lot of their stories on audibles where they have like different character voices and all and he loves to listen to those stories um that Mm. he might be somewhat familiar with but then to hear the different voices and storytelling is big in our house very very Mm. big Mm. what would you say the kind of uh key stories in your home that have been maybe quite influential on on him as a as a kind of young person growing yeah. up um or as you as a, as a teacher which ones yeah. have, you, have been your go-tos well right now we are uh, we're in our two months of all spooky stories with halloween coming ah, but uh, we're we're big into halloween we have haunted our house and you would walk in here and be like what on earth yeah <laughs> Um, but a big one that I love is there's a book called One, and it's talking about all of these different colors. I need to send you the, the name of the author, but it's talking about all of these different colors, and then there's this color red, and, and red would be mean and bossy and get bigger, mm. and then One came along and and showed them that all of the other colors mattered too, and it wasn't about standing up to red. Well, I mean, they did, and they said, red, we disagree with you. But then, um, instead of excluding red and saying, we're not going to play with you anymore, they're saying, we all matter, but red matters too. Let's work together. And it's it's beautiful. I cry in the book every time. I am that <laughs> mom. Um, another one that we're loving a lot right now is um, Farkle McBride by John Lithgow. And it's talking about this mm-hmm. little boy who learns this instrument, and then he gets tired of it, and he gives up, and he moves on to the next instrument, gets tired of it, gives up. And towards the end of the book, he actually begins to uh, conduct the orchestra because he thinks all of the instruments are better played together. Mm. And it is, oh, I cry. I cry in every children's book, Emma. I am the <laughs> mom with no chill. He's probably so They're so, so emotional, though. <laughs> they are, and they're just so good, and I just want to squeeze them. And 
Yeah, but like I feel I... like when you become a parent, though, you do just generally cry more at everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I found a video from two years ago when he moved in, and I realized that his voice has totally changed in two years. And I was like, you sounded like that? You were a baby? And I've watched it <laughs> at least 40 times this weekend. Um, it's just so, oh, it's just so magical. Well, they sound like, um, yeah, very good stories for communicating certainly your values yeah. and some of the things that, that you talked about um, before. And it does feel like, particularly in children's literature, there is some cool new stuff coming out yeah. um, that does that. My daughter has this book called Strong is the New Pretty. Um, Ooh, which I is love a, that. Uh, yeah, and she's, the, uh, she's a photographer, Kate T. Parker. She's American and she's just launched Heart of a Boy. And they are um, photography books that just have these stunning uh, photos of just a real diverse mix of kids. Um, and they're very kind of uh, inspiring <gasps> quotes. Ooh. And like some of them have, um, you know, recovered from cancer. Some of them like are, have achieved amazing things through their sport some of them are just like you know just doing their plaything and just kind of you know being being a kid but like yeah my daughter Indy she finds it oh, captivating she often <laughs> she often asks to to read it yeah so um so it does I just feel like looked it this... up and the pictures are phenomenal yeah yeah and because I was because it's similar what we were talking about actually earlier with boys because She's had this book for a while now. And I was like, oh, don't have like, <laughs> wish there was a boy one. But yeah, she has just launched uh, Heart of a Boy, which is equally as stunning. So Phoenix has that one. My oh. children both have like American reference names, Phoenix and Indiana. So oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. People are like, wow, you guys really love America. I'm like, it wasn't intended <laughs> to be like that. We just love those names. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're beautiful names too, but no, I, I just pulled up this book and I have a problem. I buy my child a lot of things. That's how I show love. It's like, I'm going to buy him this. So I just ordered this book, Heart of a Boy, but I will save it for Christmas. Yeah, we will do. <laughs> it. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, uh... Cool. So I think I think we have to wrap up. I feel like I could do like another three hours with you. This has slightly totally. been um, fascinating <laughs> Um, insight and part just parenting therapy for me so thank you um, so much for, for your time it's an absolute pleasure to, for, to have you on the um, podcast and I'm, I'm sure we'll speak again soon well thank you for having me I love you guys and the work that you're doing mm-hmm.